happy Friday Eve. Let's call it pre-Friday. What's wrong with Friday Eve? I like pre-Friday. Happy pre- uh, No, maybe I don't like the sound of it. Anyways, welcome back. How are we doing, everybody? Hope you came. That's Cami. This is Nikki. I hope you all had a wonderful week. Yeah, and now we're back with, let's call it another vocabulary lesson. Yes, but before we get started, okay, so I started reading Sex at Dawn, and it was recommended to me by a friend in the lifestyle community, and I thought, okay, I'll give this a read. Cami is currently finishing The Ethical Slut, so until she finishes that... I will say I'm slowly reading The Ethical Slut. I know. Okay. Can you hurry up a little bit? I got bit? a day job, okay. So while she very slowly finishes that, I'm reading Sex at Dawn. I'm about a third of the way through. And hey, I'm a third of the way through too. Okay, maybe a little bit more than that. Okay, well, I got through a third in like two days. It's How deep. long have you been reading The Ethical Slut? <laughs> We're not going to talk about that. And I'm an avid reader too, so, you know, just... Anyway, she needs to hurry up. Regardless... At first, I was like, oh, maybe I'll do a whole episode after I finish reading Sex at Dawn. And then I was like, you know what? I'll just like do little excerpts along the way because the book covers a lot. And even in just the third that I'd read, there's been a lot of ground that has been covered. So anyways, okay, let me pull up one of the passages. So I think it's important to mention that moving forward, we'd like to include one part of our episodes where we do discuss some portion of this book with everyone. Yeah, and it might not be on every episode. It just kind of depends on what speaks to me as I continue reading the book. It's but anyway, journey. Yeah, he's going on a journey. It is a journey. Okay, so this is a highlight that I marked on the Kindle app, page fifty-five of the book. So it says here, basically in in this kind of chapter, because I had highlighted some other parts about evolutionary psychology and. It kind of goes into a little bit about the female libido, and it has a quote where Lord Acton in 1875 declared, The majority of women, happily for them and for society, are not very much troubled with sexual feeling of any kind. This, Which I highly disagree with. This had me floored. Now, the author goes on to say, This had me pulling on my vibrator. <laughs> this had the author saying, and yet... Despite repeated assurances that women aren't particularly sexual creatures, in cultures around the world, men have gone to extraordinary lengths to control female libido, colon, female genitalia mutilation, head-to-toe chadors, I don't know if I'm saying that right, medieval witch burnings, chastity belts, suffocating corsets, muttered insults about insatiable whores, paternalistic medical diagnoses of nymphomania or hysteria, the debilitating scorn heaped on any female who chooses to be generous with her sexuality, all parts of a worldwide campaign to keep the supposedly low-key female libido under control. And I love this next sentence because it gave me a phenomenal visual. Why the electrified, high-security razor wire fence to contain a kitty cat? Yeah. So, <laughs> so I'm picturing, you know, like the cat that in uh, Emperor's Oh Empire. my god, I thought of this thing! So, if you've ever watched him, that is such a twin moment. I'm so in love with that right now. <laughs> if you ever watched The Emperor's New Groove, the squeaky day, squeak, squeak. 
the main uh, the, or the villain turns into this like teeny tiny cute what's her name again i don't remember hold on i'm gonna google that this like teeny tiny cute little kitty cat that's like purple and has like the squeakiest most adorable little voice and so like when he wrote that in the book like maximum yzma 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 okay. turns into a kitty cat yep Okay, so I just pictured this, like, maximum security prison containing this tiny little purple cat with a high-pitched voice. Anyways, but let's dive in. That definitely had me thinking. And also, if you didn't get the squeakity-squeak-squeak reference, please go watch. Shame on you. Go watch Emperor's New Groove. Yeah. That is a staple of America. I'm very passionate about this movie. It's based in Peru. But sure, let's call it a staple of America. Anyways, so let's dive in a little bit here. I definitely connected with this passage because I feel like in my 27 years, well, okay, I haven't been sexually active the whole time, in my roughly decade long, yeah, in a decade of sexual activity, not once have I met a man who has matched my libido. Damn right. So th- so when, when the author said this, I thought, yes, Absolutely. I feel like society tells us women that, like, we don't have these high libidos. and But we can go for, you know, 10 rounds. Yeah, and we, we shouldn't enjoy sex. But realistically, biologically, too, you know. We're ready to go. We don't have a recharge rate. Yeah, men, you know, once they come, they need time to kind of rebuild. I can't and there's them. nothing wrong with that. I understand. Right, absolutely. Biologically, that's just how y'all are made. But, like, for women, at least, like, I've come and still been able to continue. And then I've come again and still been able to continue. I've had sex for eight hours straight. That's, that's like a full time like day job. I that was yeah that was a long time. That's but intense. that was that was the longest round I've ever been. Um, well, what part of the day was this at? I want to know. Like, did you prepare? Did you have a no, snack no, no, no. before? The, it was. At, it started at roughly like ten p.m. and it went into like roughly five in the morning, five six in the morning. Something. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then I passed out. But here we're talking about the female libido. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when your point being that you can go multiple times and last a while because that is what your libido... Yes. And on top of that, like, I definitely think there are things that suppress the female libido. One thing that I don't think is talked about enough is the fact that hormonal birth control severely suppresses your libido. And I've seen more memes on this, which makes me realize... Women have caught on to the fact that if you're taking the pill, and I don't know if it's the same for IUDs or not, but I know for me at least when I was on the pill, which I was on birth control, I would say sometime around my first year of college, I got on it and then I got off of it a year ago. So someone do the math there. I don't really feel like doing it right now. But I mean, I agree because before I got on birth control, I wanted sex all the freaking time. Yeah. When I got off birth control, it was like a floodgate of desire, like just coursing through my body. Well, but not even, not even that, but also the fact that birth control for me, like it took away my libido. It took away my wetness. Yeah. I was a lot drier on it too. Which just made sex so much less enjoyable and much more of a chore. Exactly. Not only that, but I remember when I was on birth control, I read a lot of articles and a lot of them said like, oh, only 15% of women report. That was one article I had read, a lower libido during birth control. And I'm like, then why does it feel like literally every girl or woman that I've talked to on birth control says that their libido has been like affected by it or that they're not as 
like moist. I hate that word down there. And so I understand that sometimes like the sciences are, are there to like prove that like not everyone's as, as affected as, as you think. But in reality, sometimes I question some of those figures because like the author had said in this book, sometimes data is skewed or presented in a way to reflect what the people want to see. Anyways, so I agree that the world always treats the female libido as if it's like not anywhere near as strong as a man's and you know women just aren't sexual beings and you know we have all these things that we you know like it was saying chastity belts and hormonal birth control. What does a chastity belt look like? Google it. So like all these things that are suppressing us when it's like well you said there's nothing to suppress in the first place so why are we suppressing it? I don't get it. So anyways I really connected with that passage and like I said, in my 10 years of sexual activity, not once have I met a man that's kept up with my libido. And I mean, I've had two a days multiple times a week. And oftentimes, like I have to have multiple partners because usually most guys one time a week, two times a week, and they're done. I'm like, okay, and well, you know, nothing, I need more. Nothing There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. We're not shaming you here. You I'm know? just saying that I have a higher drive and I have yet to meet my match. And every time a guy has talked mad game, big game, or that they are my match, come to find out they usually aren't. So anyways, so that was a, a passage of the book that I really resonated with. You know, it goes on to talk about other things in relation to not only the female libido, but how ovulation for the Homo sapien species is not widely known. Whereas like in other species, for example, uh, they know when the females are ovulating, right? But for humans, men don't know when we're ovulating. Guys typically don't have a clue, which honestly, I kind of laughed about because it reminded me of this one time. I was talking to a guy I met off Bumble and I sent him a snap of myself using my vibrator because, you know, he was like, hey, what are you up to? And I'm like, oh, I'm just using my vibrator. And he was like, oh, send me a snap, you know, all flirty. And I was like, you know what, why not? Um, so blase. <laughs> so, so I sent, so. Send to your fam. And I was really wet at this time. So I was like, I'm kind of proud of, you know, how like juicy my vagina was. So I sent him a snap of it and his first response, I'm not kidding you, you're ovulating. And I was like, what? How do you know this? I didn't even know I was ovulating. He was like, I can tell by the consistency and the stickiness of the discharge that you're ovulating. And I was like, I think it's dope when men know that or when men get to know the female cycle. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. At first I was like, okay, thank you. But then I was like, yeah, that's kind of hot. I agree. And then he went on to tell me how his previous girlfriend was on the calendar method. She didn't use birth control, which I don't either. But we're also on the calendar method. Yeah, so exactly. You should know this as well. <laughs> anyway, so she was on the calendar method. He didn't want to get her pregnant, so he really took the time to research and understand the female cycle. That's hot. Exactly. So he knew based on her discharge, and he could tell that I was ovulating based on mine. And um, and I just want to preface this. To the younger women out there, perhaps if you're in your earlier 20s and you're listening to this podcast, just know that birth control is not the only way to avoid pregnancy. Listen to your doctor. Take their medical advice, of course. We're not saying don't do that. But also get to know your body. 
Get to get understand to know, it. Yeah, get yeah. to understand the fertility cycle of a woman and know that you can be in charge of your own cycle and be in charge of your own preventative methods. Yeah, and how so, you handle that. Don't think that there's only just one option out there for you. You know, there are other things like the IUDs and, and such, but even then those kind of scare me too. So I use the calendar method. So far, so good. And I have gotten to know myself more through it. Yeah, and I absolutely love that. So it's, it's very interesting just to see, I think the author brings up a great point. Why are so many things to distract us from the fact that, oh, women apparently don't have such high libidos. Yeah, we do. We love sex just like any, obviously our bodies biologically were engineered to create a fucking human inside of us. Mm -hmm. Of course we want to be fucked. Yeah. And I think, you know, I know we talked about it in last week's episode of the, or no, was that two weeks ago? Well, the the episode with Natalie, you know, about how women's sexuality isn't necessarily celebrated. So it kind of goes hand in hand in that way he was talking about in the sense that, you know, suppressing a woman's libido and constantly telling us all that we really don't have a sex drives and that, you know, we shouldn't worry about it is part of that sexism that we've all grown up with. Anyways, so Really interesting part of the book. Overall, like I said, from what I've been reading, I like it so far. And next week, I'll pick something a little bit different to discuss. But that was a passage that definitely stuck with me that I highlighted because I definitely resonated with it. And one day, maybe I will meet a man who matches my libido. But until then, I... Oh, what's his name? Who? John Mayer. What about John Mayer? Katy Perry's ex-husband? Yeah, I know who he is. What about him? Apparently, he has a really high sex drive. She couldn't keep up with him. Interesting. John Mayer, if you're listening to this, <laughs> I know you live in LA. Please slide into my DMs. I'm going to go slide into yours. Okay, so let's get back to... Okay, so let's get to the meat of today's episode. So I wanted to get a little bit more into Polly Amory because, you know, I know in some of the previous episodes we've talked about open relationships. We briefly touched on polyamory in the first episode. I've mentioned that my husband has started seeing someone in a more polyamorous relationship since following the polyamory subreddit. I've learned a lot of vocabulary. I'm not gonna lie. It took me some time to figure out what all of it was. Get that pen and paper out. Take some notes. Okay, so there are multiple structures within polyamory, and I'm going to touch on the main ones, the ones that I've seen used most often. Now, there could be more. I, there um, are more, and I will say I've seen other resources like etc. A few of the poly couples that we follow on TikTok go over some of these structures and like some of the different names for them and what they mean. So yeah, lots of different, I think, terms that people use for them, but this one I thought was a pretty good kind of introduction to it all, especially if you've never heard of polyamory, maybe you and your partner have started or are open and maybe you want to explore more emotional connections or maybe, you know, that matters to you more than the physical side. So that's something that you're more interested in instead of just open. So let's get right into it. This is, I guess, first and foremost, there's the V structure or they spell it V-E-E. So it's like a V. So you have one partner. And then from that partner stems partner A and partner B. So three partners total, but two, basically the, the ones at the top of the V, are not in a relationship. So it's not a triangle. Exactly. There's a little line missing. The line is missing. 
Yes. This is not a love triangle. This is a V. Exactly. So, I mean, obviously, this is ethical non-monogamy, so they know of each other. But maybe they've never met. Maybe they have met. Maybe they're friends or acquaintances. And those two partners are known as metamors or metas. And I've seen that metamor or meta means it's the partner's partner. Exactly. So, so I could feel be like that one. could go both ways. Yeah, it could go both ways. So, for example, like I said, my husband and his girlfriend have been dating for a couple months now. And this is the relationship that we're in. Her and I, I feel like we have a good relationship. Like, we're really good friends. She comes with us on a lot of trips. I adore her dearly. And, you know, this is the structure that we're in. But I don't necessarily, like, have any... Even though I'm bi, like, I don't have necessarily like a sexual attraction towards her. I find her very attractive. And I, like I said, I really adore her as a person. But I guess because of the relationship that she has with my husband, I don't necessarily want to get in the way of that. I prefer it in this V structure. Yeah, so basically when it comes to the three of you, you appreciate her as a friend, you appreciate her as your partner's other partner, but you're not taking it to a sexual level. Exactly. Or like an intimate level, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, getting into the next one. If the three are in a relationship, so everyone involved is romantically or sexually interested in each other, then it's a triad or a thruple. So now it is a triangle. That top line is connected. So that's another common one that you see quite a bit. I know I always see a lot of people post on Reddit about triads. I also see a lot of people say like, say there's an established couple and a third joins. Sometimes that could technically be like a unicorn situation, but a unicorn with an emotional side to it as well. And I see a lot of issues here where people talk about couples privilege. So the main couple, you know, say they're married or whatever. Now you have the third one that's in a relationship with both of them, you know, they're married, so they have like couples privilege or, you know, there's kind of like a, a hierarchy because the third person came in. So th there are definitely a lot of issues that I see people talk about when it comes to triads, especially if it was an established couple that added a third. Yes, it's going to come with its challenges, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it'll never work. I see a lot of people show negativity towards triads and always saying that like, oh, it'll never work because of couples privilege and all this stuff and whatnot. And I'm like, I, I think, you know, it really just depends on how you guys build that relationship and how you go about it, your communication and everything. For example, like we're a V, my husband, his girlfriend and I, but there are definitely things that she has mentioned, you know, she likes to be included. She likes to know when him and I have sex because she just wants to feel like a part of the relationship, even if she's not there. She doesn't live with us, right? But she still wants to feel included. And I'm totally okay with that. Like I am more than happy to include her in any way that I can, especially if it's a, a triad where everyone is romantically involved. You definitely have to be mindful of the third person's feelings. And, you know, if you are an established couple, bringing them in and making them feel like an equal instead of someone that's now an addition and a subcategory of the relationship. So, so there's something that I see quite a bit on Reddit about triads. I know one thing I was reading on triads was mentioning how even though it is the three of you as a unit, make sure you all take the time to foster the individual relationships as well. Yes. And take that much needed, you know, one-on-one -on -one time with each partner. 
So that, and I think that still helps the, the bond build and be stronger. I agree. If everyone does that, you know, in a very, I don't want to say equal, but healthy way. Yes. So nothing wrong with it. Now, if it's four of you guys, that is known as a quad. So now we are a square. Boom. We're a little quad. You know, there's lots of ways that a quad can be formed. So maybe there's three of y'all and you decide to add a fourth and now you're all romantically involved. Maybe it's two couples that join forces and become a quad. Lots of ways that this can be established. And then from there, I don't know. I mean, I didn't really see like- I would love to hear about like a quad situation where they all live together. I would love to How much rent are y'all paying? Is it low? (laughs) You technically want, do you only have one bedroom? More than one. Oh, that's a good question. You know, because it's funny, we've talked about it before. Like, if my hubby's girlfriend ever moved in with us, if that relationship progressed to that point, and we were having a discussion once, we were like, okay, so would we need to get a bigger bed? And like, we all, like, we share a bed right now all the time, the three of us. So he sleeps in the middle. We're each on both sides and we all fit comfortably. But, you know, yeah, I've slept on that bed with both y'all in it before. Not so, in a sexual way, okay? I was just crashing at their place. We had a bunch of friends over. There were 10 people staying at the house. Yes, bed and couch space was limited, so everyone had to share. But yeah, I I remember we had a conversation once. We were like, okay, so do we all share a room? Like, I think the biggest factor there was closet space. You know, two females with a lot of clothes. You know, there, there would definitely need to be a significant amount of space available. And I'll give an example on that. I was actually just... One of the reverse harem books I was reading, the familial structure is the female is obviously the head of the household and all her men share a room with her. Well, one of her men, he was like, hey, I still want to keep my own house because, you know, of course, I'll still sleep in that house with you. But some days I'm going to need my alone time. And this series specifically, I actually really liked because it referenced a lot of the different poly relationships that you can see. Mm -hmm. So not just perhaps like a quad or the next term that we're about to get into, but also like a V and a triad. So there was another couple or thruple in the book that was mentioned where it was explaining how the main guy, he was sexually and romantically involved with his two other partners. One was a male, one was a female. And the two partners, while they had an emotional connection, they didn't have a physical connection, but they were emotionally romantic. And that's fine too. That's part of, that's still polyamory. No, I know, but I just thought it was so cool just reading reverse harem and being able to like tie this vocabulary into it and really be able to see it, you know, kind of play out. Even if it was in a fictional sense. I agree. Yep. So the next term is polycule, which I thought was really cute. So it's like a combination of polyamory or poly and then molecule. Because say, for example, say right now I'm in a V with my husband and his girlfriend. Now say I go find a guy that I'm dating that I'm romantically and sexually involved with and he becomes my boyfriend. That's technically like a little polycule. That wouldn't be a quad though. No, it wouldn't be a quad because there's still that lack of connection between my boyfriend and his girlfriend. But so that would be like a polycule structure or say, for example, like I go join another couple as their third. And so like I have a triad and I have a V. Okay. That's like my little polycule. That would be my personal polycule. 
if that makes sense. So it basically means that, you know, within, so each person could have their own separate relationships. Maybe they have, they're part of a triad over here and maybe they're part of a quad over here. You know, there, there's lots of ways it can be done. There can be tribes. Yeah, it's like little wolf packs. Yes. So basically a polycule can be just a combination of different structures of polyamory. But I did kind of want to touch on a little bit about the structures that these can include. So like within V's or triads, quads or polycules, like, you know, one thing that I had read about and one thing that I see discussed quite a bit on Reddit as well is like hierarchical versus non-hierarchical. So if it's a hierarchy, then there's a primary, a secondary, a tertiary, you know, and those rankings are based, you know, on how you guys or how that, you know, group defines them to be. Or, you know, if it's non-hierarchical, everyone's considered an equal. And I think where this really comes into play is decision making. Does it also tie into when everyone met each other? I guess it can, but majority of it has to do with decision making. So for example, my husband and I are married. Our finances are joined. I very much see his girlfriend as an equal. Like I kind of have a hard time sometimes with the terms primary and secondary and tertiary. And I remember, you know, too, one time when we were had all been discussing it, she had mentioned that she wasn't thrilled about thinking of herself as like the secondary, like I'm his primary and she's his secondary because I consider her to be an equal. But when it comes to financial decisions, our finances are separate from hers because that's just how it is right now. And so, yes, obviously him and I will be making our separate financial decisions um, and things like that. So, I mean, it can be a variety of decisions regarding, you know, the relationship. But if there tends to be, you know, someone who is a primary, a secondary, tertiary, etc., then it's considered hierarchical. If it's non-hierarchical, then it's all equal. Everyone is considered an equal and then it's non-hierarchical. And I think within those two kind of definitions is where you you might see some of the common issues of polyamory arise. You know, so for example, like jealousy or time management, again, going back to decision making, you know, kind of the emotions that someone might have attached to a label such as secondary, you know, things like that. So I think within polyamory, within all its separate subcategories, of course, yeah, you're going to run into issues here and there. It's not going to be, they're relationships. Relationships take work. Whether you're monogamous or non-monogamous, it's going to require effort from everyone involved. So I always stress this when people are asking about entering non-monogamy or entering polyamory, you know, is communication is key. And one thing that I appreciate about my husband's girlfriend is that she's very good at communicating. And so I... I would I, say do a birth chart for everybody, okay? I would <laughs> hate to see a triad full of fucking air signs. No one would make a decision. Oh my god, that would be terrible. And everybody would be very flippant about it. Like, I think one of the key things is just making sure that everyone communicates. So not only do you and your partner need to have good communication as you're entering polyamory, but if you do add a third or fourth or fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, whatever, to your wolf pack, you all need to have solid communication. And so I always appreciate that she does a phenomenal job of communicating with him and with us. Like I feel as if she's not afraid to share her feelings with us, which again, I appreciate. So, you know, that's always going to be things to keep in mind there, you know. And like I said earlier, you know, she likes to feel included. I totally 
understand that and and I try to be conscientious even though her and I aren't romantically or sexually involved I still try to be conscientious of her feelings in this relationship in this v relationship because it's not just him and I anymore it's also her and I'm happy to have her with us like I welcome her I really cherish her and the energy that she brings and so I'm now also trying to be conscientious of her feelings and emotions as we make decisions, do things, you know, plan trips, etc. And we've heard of many triads or thruples or Vs that have lasted for years and years to come, you know? Oh, absolutely. I so. think what is it? Seven Lions is a it's a DJ group. They have a I don't know if it's a thruple or a V. I think it's a thruple. I need to see, but I, I know I remember I saw them post about how they've been celebrating a two-year-long relationship in their little thruple, and I thought that was awesome to see. Oh, I want to see more cool. examples of quads. I need to go find them. Or little polycules. Oh, and one we didn't touch on, but is also very much a thing, or I guess like a... It's recognized. Yeah, another part of poly, Emery, is solo poly. So say you're you all in your lonesome you you don't have like a a girlfriend a boyfriend a husband a wife a partner a partner you don't have that it's just you by yourself you can still be polyamorous you know it doesn't mean that you can't practice it just because you don't have a partner now i wouldn't say this is like you're just being promiscuous because i mean in a sense you can have multiple relationships but none in which, I mean, how would you define solo poly? Okay, so I think the key to solo poly is remembering that it's ethical non-monogamy. So if you're a guy and you're seeing three girls at the same time, you've been talking to all of them, you're sexually active with all of them, none of them know about each other. None of them know that you're dividing your time amongst the three of them. That's not necessarily ethical non-monogamy. No, that's John Tucker must die. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> right? No. So, sure, that's technically non-monogamy, but it's not ethical non-monogamy. Because guess what? Anna thinks that she's your only girlfriend and you're only screwing her. And come to find out, you're also enjoying Tiffany on the side, or pretty regularly. And, you know, Patricia. I don't know why that came so, the names you have. Those are for things, for well, first ones that came to mind. Anyways, so that's that's not polyamory. That That's just you not being truthful. It, say you've had the discussion with all of them about like I guess the difference here would be you know they don't know about each other you don't talk about the others with them and on top of that they are under the impression that you guys are exclusive but you're not exclusive that's not polyamory now say you're dating John and you're also dating Tucker Tucker I thought that was a really good reference. <laughs> yeah, it is. But okay, say you're dating John, you're dating Tucker, and you're also dating Paul. No, no, no. I'm trying to think of a girl. We're going to make this not heteronormative. Ooh, uh, I like that. Yeah, you're also dating Susie. They may not know each other, or maybe, you know, you guys hang out together occasionally, but you have relationships with all of them. They are all aware, they all know. You are polyamorous. You are enjoying and dating and sexually active with multiple people. They are all aware. They all know of each other. Maybe they go off and have their own relationships and such. It's still a form of polyamory. And I think one of the, I guess one of the also key differentiators here is you make decisions on your own. 
you're making your own decisions for yourself. Maybe you live by yourself. And while you may be dating them and you have defined relationships with them, you don't necessarily include them in your decision making for your life choices, whether that be finances, you know, career, etc. And, and I know people who practice poly or solo poly. The girl that I primarily see, uh, she does solo poly. So her and I are dating. She is seeing another man that is married and in a polyamorous relationship. And she has kind of a third guy that she has fun with. So I know about them. They all know about me. And yeah, so her and I talk about, you know, she knows about my husband. She's met my husband. So, but yeah, to clue you guys in a little bit more on all the different terms of polyamory, if you weren't aware before, hopefully that cleared it up. Or if you're new to it and you, like me, were kind of trying to figure out what all these different terms are, I hope that helped out. I thought that was a good explanation. I think it helped me figure out what poly, solo poly meant. I also was very interested to find out the V thing. I always just heard thruple and triad, but you're right. V. Like I said, I look at it as little wolf packs. I like that. And I'm working on building my wolf pack. And you know, for me, (laughs) for me, I always tell guys when I talk to them about my open marriage, I'm like, you know, I... I kind of leave it up to them. I'm like, if you want just the sex part of it and you just want to hook up with me and keep it casual and flirty and fun, that's totally fine with me. Like I am able to control my emotions and be able to have casual sex with them if that's all they want. If they want more of a relationship with me, I let them know. I am open to, you know, having more of an established relationship, having a boyfriend. And if you want to explore that with me, then I'm, I'm happy to be more vulnerable with you. That's not to say that there have been guys where I'm like, I like them. I want them to be my boyfriend, but they don't want that with me. So usually when that happens, I tend to walk away from it just because of a personal thing. I'm like, well, you know, I like you. I'll take the casual sex, but I just know that it's not going to be enough for me. So I'd rather just cut it off and, and just go find, you know, something that isn't as emotionally draining for me. But anyway, so I, I kind of leave it up to the guy or kind of just see how, how the energy is, see how the vibe is. But I'm open to both. Just know she has a high sex drive. Exactly, a really high sex drive. So I hope everyone enjoyed this week's episode. I hope you learned something new. I know I did. I know there are lots and lots of vocabulary and words when it comes to ethical non-monogamy, polyamory, open relationship, but we're all learning together. Like, I love reading people's stories on Reddit about their polycules, their quads, their triads, their whatever it is that they're in. I love seeing people's stories about them. And yeah, I mean, most of the time people go on Reddit to post about all their problems. So, you know, I see where they're like, well, I'm having issues with my meta or someone in the triad, like causing some issues. And and I always see people chime in and ask like, how do you guys handle, you know, decision-making? And, and again, it comes back to, you know, that hierarchy, like I see people all the time explain how they go about decisions. You know, we decide as a group, we put it to a vote, it's a democracy, you know, all that fun stuff. And so I... I liked reading that one story. Which one? About where, you know, how you were mentioning financial decisions earlier. Mm -hmm. This one lady where she was mentioning how she used to be in, I don't know if it was a triad or a B, with her husband and her ex, but they all had a joint savings account that Mm -hmm. their accountant knew about. So I thought that was very interesting. Yeah. You know, the fact that they had all previously had a relationship 
And yet they still shared this bank account together. Right. There's lots of ways you can do it. Again, it's all about how you and your multiple partners define it to be. But at the end of the day, at the key of it, just like in, you know, ethical non-monogamy and open relationships, the key things here are going to be communication, trust, establishing and evaluating and maintaining boundaries. And now, you know, I know we always say condoms, but I guess if you're in a polyamorous relationship, maybe you guys don't have sex with other people. Maybe you don't have to have condoms. But still, the the key ingredients for ethical non-monogamy are, I think, still the key ingredients for polyamory. So, hope you enjoyed today's episode. We'll see you next week. Yeah, there's no pop quiz at the end. I think we fairly kept it simple. That's only like five new terms. So, yeah. Come back and see us next week. We'll cover some more topics from Sex at Dawn. And really, go read it. It's a phenomenal book. Like I said, I'm a third of the way through, but it's been like fascinating so far. So if anyone else reads it, slide into my DMs and let's talk about it because I love a good book club sesh. Yes, I'm excited to finish The Ethical Slut. At this rate, it'll be next year before you finish it, but sure. Well, I'm also trying to finish this reverse harem novel that I've been reading. And it's just, you know, it's been a busy couple weeks, months-ish. And, you know, I usually read a lot more than I have been this year. But usually I read about 100 books a year. This year I read like three. So I look forward to finishing my reverse harem novel that I'm currently reading. And then finishing The Ethical Slut. Definitely a lot of good passages on there to discuss as well. So we'll dive into that. You guys have a great week. We'll see you next time.